Chapter Twenty Nine of Elsie Venner. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Elsie Venner by Oliver Wendell Holmes. Chapter Twenty Nine The White Ash. When Helen returned to Elsie's bedside, it was with a new and still deeper feeling of sympathy, such as the story told by old Sophie might well awaken. She understood, as never before, the singular fascination and as singular repulsion which she had long felt in Elsie's presence. It had not been without a great effort that she had forced herself to become the almost constant attendant of the sick girl and now she was learning but not for the first time the blessed truth which so many good women have found out for themselves that the hardest duty bravely performed soon becomes a habit and tends in due time to transform itself into a pleasure the old doctor was beginning to look graver in spite of himself the fever if such it was went gently forward wasting the young girl's powers of resistance from day to day yet she showed no disposition to take nourishment and seemed literally to be living on air it was remarkable that with all this her look was almost natural and her features were hardly sharpened so as to suggest that her life was burning away he did not like this nor various other unobtrusive signs of danger which his practised eye detected a very small matter might turn the balance which held life and death poised against each other he surrounded her with precautions that nature might have every opportunity of cunningly shifting the weights from the scale of death to the scale of life as she will often do if not rudely disturbed or interfered with little tokens of goodwill and kind remembrance were constantly coming to her from the girls in the school and the good people in the village some of the mansion-house people obtained rare flowers which they sent her and her table was covered with fruits which tempted her in vain several of the school-girls wished to make her a basket of their own handiwork and filling it with autumnal flowers to send it as a joint offering mr bernard found out their project accidentally and wishing to have his share in it brought home from one of his long walks some boughs full of variously tinted leaves such as were still clinging to the stricken trees with these he brought also some of the already fallen leaflets of the white ash remarkable for their rich olive-purple colour forming a beautiful contrast with some of the lighter-hued leaves it so happened that this particular tree the white ash did not grow upon the mountain and the leaflets were more welcome for their comparative rarity so the girls made their basket and the floor of it they covered with the rich olive-purple leaflets such late flowers as they could lay their hands upon served to fill it and with many kindly messages they sent it to miss elsie venner at the dudley mansion-house elsie was sitting up in her bed when it came languid but tranquil and helen was by her as usual holding her hand which was strangely cold helen thought 
for one who was said to have some kind of fever the schoolgirl's basket was brought in with its messages of love and hopes for speedy recovery old sophie was delighted to see that it pleased elsie and laid it on the bed before her elsie began looking at the flowers and taking them from the basket that she might see the leaves all at once she appeared to be agitated she looked at the basket then around as if there were some fearful presence about her which she was searching for with her eager glances she took out the flowers one by one her breathing growing hurried her eyes staring her hands trembling till as she came near the bottom of the basket she flung out all the rest with a hasty movement looked upon the olive purple leaflets as if paralyzed for a moment shrunk up as it were into herself in a curdling terror dashed the basket from her and fell back senseless with a faint cry which chilled the blood of the startled listeners at her bedside take it away take it away quick said old sophie as she hastened to her mistress's pillow it's the leaves of the tree that was always death to her take it away she can't live with it in the room the poor old woman began chafing elsie's hands and helen to try to rouse her with hartshorn while a third frightened attendant gathered up the flowers and the basket and carried them out of the apartment she came to herself after a time but exhausted and then wandering in her delirium she talked constantly as if she were in a cave with such exactness of circumstance that helen could not doubt at all that she had some such retreat among the rocks of the mountain probably fitted up in her own fantastic way where she sometimes hid herself from all human eyes and of the entrance to which she alone possessed the secret all this passed away and left her of course weaker than before but this was not the only influence the unexplained paroxysm had left behind it from this time forward there was a change in her whole expression and her manner the shadows ceased flitting over her features and the old woman who watched her from day to day and from hour to hour as a mother watches her child saw the likeness she bore to her mother coming forth more and more as the cold glitter died out of the diamond eyes and the stormy scowl disappeared from the dark brows and low forehead with all the kindness and indulgence her father had bestowed upon her elsie had never felt that he loved her the reader knows well enough what fatal recollections and associations had frozen up the springs of natural affection in his breast there was nothing in the world he would not do for elsie he had sacrificed his whole life to her his very seeming carelessness about restraining her was all calculated he knew that restraint would produce nothing but utter alienation just so far as she allowed him he shared her studies her few pleasures her thoughts but she was essentially solitary and uncommunicative no person as was said long ago could judge him because his task was not merely difficult but simply impracticable to human powers a nature like elsie's had necessarily to be studied by itself and to be followed in its laws where it could not be led every day at different hours 
during the whole of his daughter's illness dudley venner had sat by her doing all he could to soothe and please her always the same thin film of some emotional non-conductor between them always that kind of habitual regard and family interest mingled with the deepest pity on one side and a sort of respect on the other which never warmed into outward evidences of affection it was after this occasion when she had been so profoundly agitated by a seemingly insignificant cause that her father and old sophie were sitting one at one side of her bed and one at the other she had fallen into a light slumber as they were looking at her the same thought came into both their minds at the same moment old sophie spoke for both as she said in a low voice it's her mother's look it's her mother's own face right over again she never looked so before the lord's hand is on her his will be done when elsie woke and lifted her languid eyes upon her father's face she saw in it a tenderness a depth of affection such as she remembered at rare moments of her childhood when she had won him to her by some unusual gleam of sunshine in her fitful temper elsie dear he said we were thinking how much your expression was sometimes like that of your sweet mother if you could but have seen her so as to remember her the tender look and tone the yearning of the daughter's heart for the mother she had never seen save only with the unfixed undistinguishing eyes of earliest infancy perhaps the underthought that she might soon rejoin her in another state of being all came upon her with a sudden overflow of feeling which broke through all the barriers between her heart and her eyes and elsie wept it seemed to her father as if the malign influence evil spirit it might almost be called which had pervaded her being had at last been driven forth or exercised and that these tears were at once the sign and the pledge of her redeemed nature but now she was to be soothed and not excited after her tears she slept again and the look her face wore was peaceful as never before old sophie met the doctor at the door and told him all the circumstances connected with the extraordinary attack from which elsie had suffered it was the purple leaves she said she remembered that dick once brought home a branch of a tree with some of the same leaves on it and elsie screamed and almost fainted then she sophie had asked her after she had got quiet what it was in the leaves that made her feel so bad elsie couldn't tell her didn't like to speak about it shuddered whenever sophie mentioned it this did not sound so strangely to the old doctor as it does to some who listen to his narrative he had known some curious examples of antipathies and remembered reading of others still more singular he had known those who could not bear the presence of a cat and recollected the story often told of a person's hiding one in a chest when one of these sensitive individuals came into the room so as not to disturb him but he presently began to sweat and turn pale and cried out that there must be a cat hid somewhere he knew people who were poisoned by strawberries by honey by different meats many who could not endure cheese some who could not bear the smell of roses 
if he had known all the stories in the old books he would have found that some have swooned and become as dead men at the smell of a rose that a stout soldier has been known to turn and run at the sight or smell of rue that cassia and even olive oil have produced deadly faintings in certain individuals in short that almost everything has seemed to be a poison to somebody bring me that basket sophie said the old doctor if you can find it sophie brought it to him for he had not yet entered elsie's apartment these purple leaves are from the white ash he said you don't know the notion that people commonly have about that tree sophie i know they say the ugly things never go where the white ash grows sophie answered oh doctor dear what i'm thinkin of ain't true is it the doctor smiled sadly but did not answer he went directly to elsie's room nobody would have known by his manner that he saw any special change in his patient he spoke with her as usual made some slight alteration in his prescriptions and left the room with a kind cheerful look he met her father on the stairs is it as i thought said dudley venner there is everything to fear the doctor said and not much i am afraid to hope does not her face recall to you one that you remember as never before yes her father answered oh yes what is the meaning of this change which has come over her features and her voice her temper her whole being tell me oh tell me what is it can it be that the curse is passing away and my daughter is to be restored to me such as her mother would have had her such as her mother was walk out with me into the garden the doctor said and i will tell you all i know and all i think about this great mystery of elsie's life they walked out together and the doctor began she has lived a double being as it were the consequence of the blight which fell upon her in the dim period before consciousness you can see what she might have been but for this you know that for these eighteen years her whole existence has taken its character from that influence which we need not name but you will remember that few of the lower forms of life last as human beings do and thus it might have been hoped and trusted with some show of reason as i have always suspected you hoped and trusted perhaps more confidently than myself that the lower nature which had become engrafted on the higher would die out and leave the real woman's life she inherited to outlive this accidental principle which had so poisoned her childhood and youth i believe it is so dying out but i am afraid yes i must say it i fear it has involved the centres of life in its own decay there is hardly any pulse at elsie's wrist no stimulants seem to rouse her and it looks as if life were slowly retreating inwards so that by and by she will sleep as those who lie down in the cold and never wake strange as it may seem her father heard all this not without deep sorrow and such marks of it as his thoughtful and tranquil nature long schooled by suffering claimed or permitted but with a resignation itself the measure of his past trials dear as his daughter might become to him all he dared to ask of heaven 
was that she might be restored to that truer self which lay beneath her faults and adventitious being if he could once see that the icy lustre in her eyes had become a soft calm light that her soul was at peace with all about her and with him above this crumb from the children's table was enough for him as it was for the syro-phoenician woman who asked that the dark spirit might go out from her daughter there was little change the next day until all at once she said in a clear voice that she should like to see her master at the school mr langdon he came accordingly and took the place of helen at her bedside it seemed as if elsie had forgotten the last scene with him might it be that pride had come in and she had sent for him only to show how superior she had grown to the weakness which had betrayed her into that extraordinary request so contrary to the instincts and usages of her sex or was it that the singular change which had come over her had involved her passionate fancy for him and swept it away with her other habits of thought and feeling or could it be that she felt that all earthly interests were becoming of little account to her and wished to place herself right with one to whom she had displayed a wayward movement of her unbalanced imagination she welcomed mr bernard as quietly as she had received helen darley he colored at the recollection of that last scene when he came into her presence but she smiled with perfect tranquillity she did not speak to him of any apprehension but he saw that she looked upon herself as doomed so friendly yet so calm did she seem through all their interview that mr bernard could only look back upon her manifestation of feeling towards him on their walk from the school as a vagary of a mind laboring under some unnatural excitement and wholly at variance with the true character of elsie venner as he saw her before him in her subdued yet singular beauty he looked with almost scientific closeness of observation into the diamond eyes but that peculiar light which he knew so well was not there she was the same in one sense as on that first day when he had seen her coiling and uncoiling her golden chain yet how different in every aspect which revealed her state of mind and emotion something of tenderness there was perhaps in her tone towards him she would not have sent for him had she not felt more than an ordinary interest in him but through the whole of his visit she never lost her gracious self-possession the dudley race might well be proud of the last of its daughters as she lay dying but unconquered by the feeling of the present or the fear of the future as for mr bernard he found it very hard to look upon her and listen to her unmoved there was nothing that reminded him of the stormy-browed almost savage girl he remembered in her fierce loveliness nothing of all her singularities of air and of costume nothing yes one thing weak and suffering as she was she had never parted with one particular ornament such as a sick person would naturally as it might be supposed get rid of at once the golden cord which she wore round her neck at the great party was still there a bracelet was lying by her pillow 
she had unclasped it from her wrist before mr bernard left her she said i shall never see you again some time or other perhaps you will mention my name to one whom you love give her this from your scholar and friend elsie he took the bracelet raised her hand to his lips then turned his face away in that moment he was the weaker of the two good-bye she said thank you for coming his voice died away in his throat as he tried to answer her she followed him with her eyes as he passed from her sight through the door and when it closed after him sobbed tremulously once or twice but stilled herself and met helen as she entered with a composed countenance i have had a very pleasant visit from mr langdon elsie said sit by me helen a while without speaking i should like to sleep if i can and to dream end of chapter twenty nine